Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Yo, it's 9.31 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is damn near the end of the month, the 29th of September, 2022. This is episode 622 of Bitcoin. And let's start with ghosts in the room, ladies and gentlemen. Spectre Solutions has been acquired by Swan Bitcoin. Uh, Name of the article is Swan Bitcoin Acquires BTC Custody Provider Spectre Solutions, Sean Omic. From Bitcoin Magazine. Let's get into it right now, shall we? Swan Bitcoin, a leading Bitcoin service provider, has acquired a leading Bitcoin custodial services provider, Spectre Solutions, per a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. The addition of Spectre Labs to the Swan portfolio enables the company to provide end to end solutions for their clients. These solutions mean from the initial moment of interest, to education, on to purchasing Bitcoin, and eventually becoming self-sovereign, Swan Bitcoin can assist its clients through the entire process. Quote, Our mission is to help create the next 10 million Bitcoiners and walk with them on their journey to freedom, prosperity, and self-sovereignty, said Swan founder and CEO Corey Clipston. The custodial software from Spectre will remain open source. Let me repeat that because people are freaking out about this shit. The custodial software from Spectre will remain open source and Swan will provide engineering support and assist in product direction. Additionally, Spectre's application will not have any default network connections to Swan or know your customer protocols requiring identification of the user. Quote, do the best thing for Bitcoin and Bitcoiners has always been our guiding principle, said Clipston. Further, The Spectre solution will not track any user data unless the user opts into specific features, which will be clearly labeled integrations per the release. In addition, users can choose whether they want Spectre to interact with Swan or if they prefer complete independence from the platform. Quote, we have found strong alignment with the Swan team, said Moritz Weitersheim, co-founder and CEO of Spectre, Our products and tools fit extraordinarily well together. We look forward to building products for Bitcoiners and continuing our journey to a bright orange future. So I am a Spectre user uh, and I got to say, I got mixed feelings about this. I really do. Um, We, I, I repeated, you know, up at the front here that Spectre Labs or the Spectre software will indeed remain open source. You know, the question always is, will it always be open source? Is, I mean, see, that's the thing. It's something that's controlled by a tight group of people. One day they could say, you know, we really need to shut the door on this shit and go walled garden. Um, But since the protocol and software and all that stuff has already been open sourced and people can view the code line by line, there's nothing stopping from somebody forking Spectre. And what I, what I hope does not happen is that this doesn't devolve into some kind of fucking shit show. Because it is just this. We always build in bear markets. Okay, that's a meme. You know what else happens in bear markets? People start sniping at each other. Pretty hardcore too. So I just don't want this to devolve into some kind of grandiose, you know, spectacle that everybody can point to and laugh because that would just suck. The good news is that the team at Swan Bitcoin, Corey Clipston included, are some pretty hardcore Bitcoiners. The guys over at Spectre are also pretty hardcore Bitcoiners. So from that perspective, this is not a terrible idea. 
But again, be vigilant. Be vigilant, all right? So just saying, we're going to see uh, probably a lot more consolidation in the market before this bear market is open. Uh, we got Binance <clears throat> doing some strange shit, and I can't tell if it's an attack on Ethereum uh, main chain or not. You be the judge. Binance starts Ethereum proof-of-work mining pool initially with no fee. Nick Baker from Coindesk. Cryptocurrency exchange Binance said customers can now join a mining pool for ETHW, the forked version of Ethereum that retains the blockchain's original proof-of-work underpinnings. Participants in the ETHW pool will not be charged a fee during a promotional period that ends October 29th, which would be today, according to a statement on Thursday. Guys, you made the statement on the same day that the promotional period ends. Come on, man, dude. Stop doing shit like that. Two weeks ago, the Ethereum merge successfully shifted the blockchain to proof of stupid system, eliminating the need for crypto miners on the network. A new forked version of Ethereum, still powered by proof of work, was created, though it got off to a rocky start. Support from customers of Binance, a giant in crypto trading, could in theory help sustain the forked version. So that's all they're really saying about the Binance proof or a uh, Ethereum W proof of work version of Ethereum fork. So the question I have is Binance being as big and as large as they are with all the irons that they got in the fire. You got to ask yourself the question, why would they give shit one about what's going on with Ethereum proof of work? Unless two things, they are hardcore enough that they believe that proof of work truly is important and it is. Or, and this I suppose it could be and or, they're attacking Ethereum mainchain by, by supporting a, a clearly a competitive chain. Like I said, I don't know. You, you, there's no way to get in the mind of CZ and all the crew over there at Binance. They, again, they've got so much stuff, you know, so many irons in the fire. It, it's kind of mind boggling that they would even lend over any energy or resources whatsoever to do this unless it's either attack or they truly believe proof of work is is the way to go. Again, you're, you're going to have to be the judge. Now, the tarot. Oh, she throws a mean tarot. Oh, I should have had that shit up. I should have had that song going on at this point. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you haven't listened to Frank Zappa's uh, Overnight Sensation album uh do yourself a favor grab that it's a double album uh go get it <laughs> and you'll you'll find out where uh, she throws the mean tarot this is written by nomsios from bitcoin magazine by the way it is entitled developers can now issue assets like stable coins on bitcoin yes i hear you groaning it's okay it really is gonna be okay why you ain't gotta use it Let's find out more. Lightning Labs on Wednesday released the very first version of the Tarot open source software to enable minting, sending, and receiving assets on the Bitcoin blockchain. Tarot Daemon's alpha release enables developers to issue tokens on Testnet, an alternative Bitcoin blockchain made specifically for public testing. It allows developers to test applications with testnet coins instead of actual BTC with the additional benefit of not exposing the actual Bitcoin blockchain or the mainnet to any risks. Projects usually go live on mainnet only after extensive tests and bug fixes have been made. Lightning Labs said in a statement that Lightning Network Integration, a major feature of Tarot for instantly sending and receiving assets, will be enabled in a future development phase. The functionality requires Taproot channels to be merged into the company's Lightning implementation first, which is currently an ongoing work. In the meantime, the company said it's working on adding universe functionality to Tarot's daemon, which will allow users and asset issuers to provide proofs about asset provenance and supply issuance, as well as more easily interact with asset data. Universes will be added to the daemon in coming months, along with other enhancements. How Tarot Works Announced in April, 
Terra leverages Taproot, Bitcoin's latest major upgrade that went live last year to enable the issuance of assets in a private and secure manner without bloating the Bitcoin blockchain itself. Lightning Labs' proposal differs from most existing alternatives for the assets on Bitcoin use case in the sense that it does not require a separate blockchain, nor does it rely on adding extra data directly on-chain. Under the hood, Tarot brings assets to Bitcoin through the leaves of the Taproot script tree, as each leaf in the tree is completely independent and can be selectively revealed, which enables structured commitment. By adding information about those assets, known as metadata, in the Taproot script tree, the proposed protocol can function as a layer built on top of Bitcoin, allowing Tarot asset transactions to look like regular Bitcoin transactions as only the Taproot output is revealed on-chain, while still enabling proofs of the movement of assets across the transaction graph. A Tarot asset is issued through an on-chain Bitcoin transaction that includes the hash of the commits to, or, or sorry, that includes the hash of some metadata in a Taproot output. Tarot assigns the asset to a private key held by the issuer and broadcasts the transaction to the network. The newly created unspent transaction output then acts as a unique identifier for that asset serving as its genesis point. Multiple asset mints can be done with a single Bitcoin transaction, and once Lightning integration is enabled, the technology will enjoy the second layer network's instant transfers for sending and receiving assets cheaply and effectively. So yeah, that's a mouthful because some of this stuff is, well, it's complicated and it can get complicated. And as long as it stays off of the main chain of Bitcoin, I don't give a shit. It can utilize whatever you want to build. And if what you build utilizes the security of Bitcoin's blockchain, I don't care what you build. As long as you don't bloat the chain with adding data into the transactions, that's fine. I don't give a shit. That's why I like Lightning. It's a second layer. Taproot, as we've heard, can act as a separate layer. And if it can act as a separate layer and still be in the actual core code, then that means that building on Taproot, second and third and fourth layers is probably going to be really easy to do. Now, should we? What assets are we talking about? Are we talking about home tokens? Car tokens? I mean, are, you know, like, got, how is this going to be leveraged by the idiots that want to, oh, you can get a loan for cash and we'll just collateralize your Bitcoin. I mean, the, take that mindset and what we've seen happen over the last two years with that mindset and now apply it to something like Taproot. I'm not bitching about it. I'm, I'm not. But you got to understand that when a tool is released, whether it be a hammer, a saw, I, you know, uh, a wrench, all of them can be used for various amounts of good and all of them can be used as a bludgeoning weapon. I, it depends on who has the tool. So just because people, people are out there literally bitching about tarot and calling the people that want to build on it uh, parasites on the Bitcoin main chain. I agree in a, in a form, and that form is, yeah, there's going to be parasites. There's also going to be some really good people with really good ideas for really useful technologies and utilities, and they're going to also build on the same tool, and they're not going to be parasites. We have to keep the way that we view the mental model of how technology is built and what it's built upon and the purposes that it's built for. We have to keep all that in a mental model that doesn't automatically assume it's terrible, nor should we assume that it's going to be great. It's going to be a mix of terrible and great. It, night and day, yin, yang. You can't have light without shadows. And you can't have shadows without light. It's, it amazes me that we still don't seem to grasp the underpinning, underpinnings of that particular type of philosophy. You have to have one side that balances the other opposite side to have a cohesive whole. 
If you just have good, it will fall apart. If you just have evil, it falls apart. If you have a mix of good and evil, you have a cohesive whole. Welcome to the universe. That's the way that this shit rolls. Now, a record has been set. 3,000 lightning payments at the largest German-speaking Bitcoin conference. Uh, This is Bitcoin News by Leon Sigmund, and this was actually published a couple of days ago. Over 3,000 payments via the Lightning Network were registered at the largest German-speaking Bitcoin conference, Die Bitcoin Conference, according to Swiss payment processing startup LIPA, or LIPA. The conference attracted over 800 attendees, and the stage hosted renowned speakers such as Michael Saylor, Saifedi Namas, uh, Rahim Nicole Jilch, and Yuma Mangold. Oh, man, boy, talk about I mangled all these names. As a venue, the organizers chose Congress Innsbruck, surrounded by beautiful mountains in the midst of the breathtaking Innsbruck Old Town. While tourists from all over the world were enjoying historic and mesmerizing gold standard architecture outside, the delegates inside the conference floors time-traveled into the future and on to the Bitcoin standard. All merchant and food stalls accepted lightning payments thanks to a new point-of-sale integration provided by LIPA. That's L-I-P-A. Starting with an ice cream vendor in front of the entrance that offered the ice-cold delights for just 10.5 Satoshis per scoop, including waffle, attendees could spend sats for every purchase. Actually, that's going to be 10,500. I'm sorry, because Bitcoin news is European. And when I see 10.500, I think it's 10.5. That's the Westerner in me. So a period with three numbers behind it is probably European, and that should be taken as a comma for us in the United States. It's 10,500 Satoshis per scoop. Sorry, guys. I didn't mean to confuse everybody. A bystander asks, what kind of currency is that? And the response by the ice cream vendor is simply, it's a digital internet currency. The cameraman concludes, this is sound money ice cream. Besides ice cream, attendees could enjoy local Austrian cuisine, coffee, and snacks during breaks. Matthias Tenzer, managing director at Donhauser GmbH, short Don, the catering service in charge of all culinary services at the conference, explains how smooth lightning works for transactions. Uh, let's see. So, uh, oh yeah, Bitcoin News asked the question, did you expect that it would be that smooth? Answer is no, I thought it'd be more difficult, but it's actually very easy. With over 3,000 successful transactions at the point of sale, the test is a full success for the conference organizers, the catering service, and of course for attendees and lightning enthusiasts. The lightning network allows for astonishing transaction throughput, instant confirmation, and low to no fees. The conference stress test is proof for the maturity of the Lightning Network, which has grown from a niche phenomenon to a robust and fully decentralized payments network. Although the Lightning Network can theoretically process hundreds of thousands of transactions per second, the event in Innsbruck has broken a record for retail transactions in a single day on Lightning. Mr. Tanzer is looking forward to evaluating the rollout of Lightning payments in other locations. Don Hauser GmbH oversees more than 90 locations in Austria, among them Vipiano restaurants, gourmet restaurants, delis, mountain restaurants, and high-value cafes and bars. While the payment processor Lipa recorded 2,868 transactions over three days, many more Lightning transactions were made at the Lightning Beer Tap, the Lightning Cocktail Robot, and merchants such as SatoshiStore.io. Lipa shared detailed statistics in their blog, quote, First things first, we processed 2,868 transactions in three days, Saturday being the busiest day with 1,585 transactions. The biggest single transactions was 249,000 Satoshis and the lowest was 506 Satoshis. The exchange rate ranged ranged between uh, 19,375 euros and 20,258 euros. The total volume was 88,294,530 Satoshis. 
as and that was roughly at an average of I think they're saying oh no that was that averaged um, seventeen thousand five hundred euros worth of cash. That's actually a lot of money, guys. Bitcoin News also reported about the uh, increasing adoption of NFC cards for Lightning payments. That is another article which we will not get into at the present time. And guys, this is going to be a shorter show, I think. CFTC Chair says crypto regulations could double the Bitcoin price. Carrot, meat, stick. (laughs) Sorry, I had to add that in there. Z Wang tells us more from Decrypt.co. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the CFTC, Chairman Rostin Benham said on Thursday that Bitcoin might double in price if it traded in a CFTC-regulated market. Oh, it's a nice little carrot, isn't it? The chairman added that the crypto industry had a massive opportunity for institutional inflows that will only occur if there's a regulatory structure. The comments come as the crypto industry faces intensifying scrutiny globally from Brazil to Australia to Tether's well-documented legal woes stateside. However, some governments like Japan and the UAE also appear keen to embrace crypto and Web3, seeing them as an opportunity for growth. The wave of regulation heading for crypto might not be a bad thing, though, according to Benham. Quote, non-bank crypto institutions thrive on regulation. They thrive on regulatory certainty. They thrive on a level playing field because they are the smartest, the fastest, and the most well-resourced. Oh, for God's sakes. Benham said that the CFTC's current funding model and resources prevented it from pursuing a wider regulation of the crypto industry, which might help weed out unscrupulous actors, he noted, that the majority of cases pursued by the CFTC have relied on whistleblowers, customer complaints, and tips due to a lack of funding to pursue its own investigations. That's probably good news. The chairman added that he supported a bill introduced by the Senate Agricultural Committee, which would designate the CFTC as the main regulator of the crypto industry. Such a demarcation would finally help clarify who is responsible for regulating the industry in the United States which is something carried out by both the CFTC and the Securities and Exchange Commission at the moment. So, yeah, good luck with all that. Good luck. See, did you see the carrot? Uh, Dude, if you just let us regulate you, Bitcoin will be $40,000 a coin. Well, we didn't need you when it went to 70 or damn near 70,000. We don't need you now. We really don't. The only people that give a shit about this are large institutional players, which we always continuously scream about. They're they're on their way. They're on their way. Well, they're not going to get here without that regulation. But honestly, I don't think I want them here. Their derivatives have so trashed the future of so many people that are alive on this planet today that I'm not sure I want them to have anything to do with any of this stuff at all. Sometimes I talk about why we need an ETF, or we don't need an ETF, but why an ETF would be kind of cool for large institutions. Sometimes I talk about the insurance you know, industry and the way that they're kind of jumping into it and family offices. But honestly, I haven't seen one of these guys that isn't controlled by somebody who wasn't on Epstein's plane. And that's really distressing and, and honestly, very disturbing. I don't know if I want them. How, I mean, we got 8 billion people. And the, the CFTC and all of the industry and the SEC and all the industries that they oversee is a fraction of the human population. Do we really, really want them in this? I mean, we can't really tell them that they can't get into it, but do we really need to embrace it? Do we really need to say, rah, rah, Bitcoin's going to go to 40 because the CFTC wants to be nice to us? No, they don't. No, they don't. They don't want to be nice to us. Don't, don't fall for it. Don't fall for the carrot because they'll give you the stick. Let's run the numbers. All right, CNBC Futures and Commodities listing West Texas Intermediate at a 0.74% increase in price to $82.76. Brent North Sea up only a quarter of a point to $89.51. Natural gas losing 2.86% down to $6.75 per 1,000 cubic feet. Gasoline down 0.88% 
to $2.55. I'm actually surprised about the natural gas thing, considering the shit show that is the Nord Stream 2. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know how to get into that one, so I just won't. But it's surprising that natural gas has taken damn near a 3% hit this morning. Gold down 0.13% to $1,667. Silver down 0.82%, $18.72. Platinum up scant. Copper, however, up 1.7%. Palladium up 2.35%. Agricultural futures are mixed. Biggest loser today is cotton down 2.69%. Biggest winner is chocolate or cocoa up 1.97%. Dow down one and a half. Wow. S&P down, oh God, 2.11%. NASDAQ bottoming, sucking the balls on the bottom at 3.05% of the downside. S&P mini sucking swamp water at 2.24% to the downside. Yeah, yeah, that whole EU thing that's going on in the UK. BlackRock, ladies and gentlemen, BlackRock is threatening to halt trading in the EU and the UK because of all this, because of their credit crisis. Yes, we're back to 2008 because no one went to jail. No one got, I mean, some people got fined, but nobody went to jail. Nobody lost their licenses to trade. Nobody got, you know, stopped. No, nobody stopped getting invited to the black tie dinners. The club remained intact. 100%. And they kicked the can down the road. And honestly, I, who knows what today will bring. And Friday could very well be a Black Friday for the UK and the EU. Who knows, man, but they're just getting wiped out. Anyway, and attached to stock prices dropping, we have Bitcoin price dropping to $19,252, which honestly, in my opinion, is pretty resilient. It's just it was just hanging around nineteen between twenty thousand and eighteen five for weeks while the rest of the world is basically on fire. I'd call that a pretty resilient asset, honestly. So some people are saying that it's a pullback and that we're still coupled to uh, stock prices. I don't know, man. I I don't. I think it's something different. But 2.3 million BTC were changing hands in the last 24 hours. Uh, 9.23 BTC is the average transaction value, while the median transaction value remains at 0.024. And that's about 464 bucks. Block times are slightly elevated, 10 minutes and 13 seconds. We have 0.09 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 13 and a half taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with an 8.56% bump in hash rate, we are back at 236.8 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin right at six United States pennies. Uh, We've got 12,615 transactions waiting on a full seven blocks to clear. That's $372.9 billion of Bitcoin market capitalization, which is 3.4% of gold's market cap. You can get 11.8 ounces of gold with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,163,760.92 of, and 4,895.2 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $95.2 million, being run over 17,204 total nodes, sporting 84,880 payment channels. And we are now down to 69.4% of all of that being run over Tor. That's kind of interesting, but that's going to do it for Vitals. Okay, I found this while I was kind of, you know, uh, changing up Oh, well, uh, going from vitals to uh, the second part of the news. And by the way, welcome to the news you can use part two. But uh, I got some time because this is this show uh, is kind of running short already. So I got some time and I kind of want to bring your attention to something. Uh, Salazzo at Mr. Salazzo is one of the two people from the uh, Meat Mafia. If you don't know who the Meat Mafia is, I highly recommend that you look into those two guys. Um, 
we're all kind of, you know, hanging around and buzzing around the beef initiative. Uh, but Salazzo is bringing to light an issue that I think you need to know about. So I'm going to read a treat, a tweet thread, uh, and it, it can be a little longish, but guys, this is important because it kind of, it's going to illustrate the idiocy that we're dealing with all the time when it comes to the USDA, that's the United States Department of Agriculture. And they pretty much have their fingers in every piece of food that you consume from milk and how it's produced to meat and how it's produced to how it's cut, how it's packaged, how it's processed, all of that grains, corn, hell. I mean, even ethanol production from corn is all that's all USDA, right? And it's more insidious because the Commodities Futures Trading Commission is under the purview of the United States Department of Agriculture. And that is interesting all by itself. But we won't get into the history of that. It has to do with onions and a very stinky delivery, but we won't do that right now. Let's start right at the top with Mr. Salazzo's tweet thread. This local farmer just lost out on a government grant. I'll give you one guess on what company received the money. Hint, this is the former CEO, and it's a picture of Bill Gates. Yes, Bill Gates, the guy from Microsoft. The USDA announced that it will be supporting a, quote, diverse range of farmers, ranchers, and private forest landowners through their Partnerships for Climate Smart Commodities Program. The USDA will be investing $2.8 billion in 70 selected projects as a part of this program. One of the applicants was White Oak Pasture. Located in Bluffton, Georgia, White Oak is a sixth generation regenerative farm that is approximately 4,000 acres in size. They have implemented regenerative practices since the 1990s and have served as a leader for many other family owned farms. Both Carney Clemenza, that's at Carney Clemenza, and I were lucky to tour the farm a few weeks ago during the Beef Initiative Georgia Summit. The farm is truly spectacular and has a soul that is tough to describe in a Twitter thread. The farm truly seeks to feed the community with the best quality foods. There have been studies conducted on the effectiveness of white oak, white oak pastures' regenerative practices. One study conducted by Qantas found that white oak pastures beef has a carbon footprint 111% lower than conventional beef. Qantas and other universities were astonished by this. White oak has been grazing sheep under large utility-sized solar arrays for over two years. Mr. Will Harris, the third, a fourth-generation rancher and current owner of the farm, sees it as a win-win for farmers and energy companies as well as the planet. They also see it as a way for underserved farmers to gain access to land without having to come up with a huge cash outlay. Will wanted to use the USDA grant money to expand this practice and offer classes to other farmers so that they could learn how to implement these practices. Will found out that the White Oak Pastures was not selected for the grant. He stated that he was disappointed, but not angry. Quote, the recipients were announced yesterday. We were not one of them. I was disappointed, but I'm a big boy and I ain't the first time. It ain't the first time that I've been disappointed. I wouldn't have given it a second thought if other American farms had gotten the grant because they had higher scores. If they did, it would have been deserved and I would have been happy for them. It wasn't until Will discovered the names of some of the chosen recipients who received the money that he became frustrated. Quote, but the list of lead partners and major partners that were on the grant awards literally pissed me off pretty bad. <laughs> Here is the select or a list of just a few of the selected partners. PepsiCo. Yeah, PepsiCo. Yeah. Cargill. Yay. JSS. Coca-Cola. John Deere, which John Deere I could see, but Microsoft? No, seriously, Microsoft. Not Bill Gates, Microsoft. The actual company that makes computer software and operating systems. Yeah, they're farmers now, I guess. Nestle, Walmart, Bayer, 
the pharmaceutical company that is also has a massive, massive agricultural footprint in what's called bear crop sciences. Okay. Just so you know, it's and Bayer bought Monsanto. If you did not know that, a couple of years ago, they bought Monsanto and all of their intellectual property, including glyphosate, and they wrapped it all up under Bayer Crop Sciences, which offers GMO seeds and a host of pesticides and herbicides and fungicides and God only knows what else. McDonald's is also a recipient of this USDA grant, as is Google. I don't remember passing a farm in the last half century of my life that I saw Google as a brand name for the farm. I, I'm, I'm stunned, honestly. There are many others with similar profiles in this list. Will capped off his thoughts perfectly and stated the following, quote, who on earth would be better qualified to develop environmental solutions than the multinational companies who were complicit in fucking our climate up? I immediately have two questions when I read through this participant's list. Quote, or not quote, number one, wasn't the money supposed to be given to farms? And number two, why do large corporations like this need grant funds? To give the USDA credit, they do give the full list of selected projects. However, it is extremely unclear how that money will be deployed. There's a lot of vague wording around, quote, reducing methane emissions carbon sequestration, and other climate buzzwords. When I scroll through the list of grants, many of them are working towards implementing climate smart practices of commodities such as corn, wheat, soy, rice, and sugar. Yeah, we can make these things more climate smart, but it is not addressing the root cause. Commodities such as corn, wheat, soy, rice, and sugar are fueling the industrial food system that has decimated our metabolic health. This is not even up for debate. Currently, 88% of the population is metabolically unhealthy. 70% of U.S. adults are overweight or obese. 7 in 10 deaths are caused by chronic diseases. 1 in 10 children have now developed what's called fatty liver disease. What happened to our food? Instead of allowing farms like, you know, White Oak, to receive the money to teach regenerative practices that will improve soil health and nourish us with the must, most nutrient-dense foods possible, the USDA gives grant money to Coca-Cola, McDonald's, Mars, etc. Yes, the exact companies that are responsible for decimating our health are receiving money from the government to help combat climate change. It really makes you scratch your head and wonder what the hell's going on. The good news is that there is a very simple solution to all of this. You can choose to buy your food from your local farmer. You can choose to nourish your body with real foods. You can vote with your dollar every single time you walk into the grocery store. If you need help connecting with your local farmer, I highly recommend to check out the website Eat Wild. If it will allow you to search for local meat, fish, eggs, milk, etc. in your exact geographic location, Go find a local rancher and shake their hand. By the way, that website is eatwildalloneword.com. E-A-T-W-I-L-D.com. Eatwild.com. In addition, support farms like White Oak Pasture. Order your meat from them. Read their blog posts. Spread it to your family and friends. Then truly put their heart and soul into your food. For the full story on this, I recommend checking out Will's blog post on the White Oak pastures website it served as my inspiration for writing this thread and that's the end of it so what do you think you, you think microsoft should be given usda grants for uh you know, agricultural purposes i sure don't it doesn't make it it doesn't make any sense if we i mean well i keep thinking that we don't live in a cloud world and that's why this shit doesn't make sense because i just refuse to go into the big top i don't want to buy a ticket to that I don't, I'm done watching them twirl rings around and setting elephants on fire and making the audience go, ooh, and ah, and all that shit. No. And that's why this doesn't make sense. If you've bought a ticket to the clown show and you are firmly on the first row of that son of a bitch watching the clown car go around, then yes, it totally makes sense. Because Bill Gates owns all that farmland. Why not give it to Microsoft? And Google, Eric Schmidt loves 
agriculture, doesn't he? He's, I've seen him out there farming nothing for decades. So it makes total sense if you're on the front row of the clown show. But I'm not even on the back row of the clown show. I'm not even around the tent. I'm next door at the farmer's place asking him questions about soil management. That's where I'm at. Now, let's continue with the rest of the news. Argentina is saying, Viva la Bitcoin revolution. Bitcoin magazine, Samantha Messing writing, Investing legend and limousine liberal Warren Buffett has never been a fan of Bitcoin, and he recently commented, If you offered me all of the Bitcoin in the world for $25, I wouldn't take it. Of course, Buffett does not get it. He is a Nebraska billionaire. The U.S. dollar is the strongest currency in the world. He can't fathom the possibility that the state might hyperinflate the currency, default on debt, or confiscate assets. For the people of Argentina, financial collapse are their groundhog day. Gratefully, Bitcoin offers a trustworthy alternative. Let's get into it. Argentina is facing one of the highest inflation rates in the world again. The nation has no access to international capital and owes over $40 billion to the International Monetary Fund. Prices are soaring and nearly half the population lives in poverty. Economic conditions are as bad as they have ever been, and that's saying something for Argentina. Successive governments, beginning with the Peronists in the 1940s, have saddled the nation with unwieldy debts. Argentina has gone bankrupt nine times with more than a dozen cycles of hyperinflation and reform over the past century, no country has a worse track record. The playbook looks like this. One, print money to deliver social services and retain power. Two, act shocked when inflation skyrockets. Three, act even more shocked when political unrest ensues. Four, institute monetary reform. Ha, that'll do it. Argentinian Inflation is a special kind of inflation. It comes with a lot of zeros. We are talking millions. What good is a salary of $1 million when bread costs $2 million? Facing political pressure, politicians embrace monetary reform, which includes a mix of rising policy rates, controlling currency exchange rates, or introducing a new currency. Pretend it's 1970 and you have 1 million pesos in the bank. Feeling good, right? Here comes monetary reform. The peso lei, L-E-Y, replaces the previous peso at a rate of 1 to 100. Congratulations, you now have 10,000 pesos. Actually, that's not entirely true, is it? Yeah, that's, that's right, okay. Um, then, in 1983, the peso argentino replaces the peso lei at 1 to 10,000. You now have one peso. Just two years later... One to 1,000 replacement ends up, you have 0.001 peso. And 10 years later, another 1 to 10,000 replacement gives you 0.0000001 peso. You started off with a million. And you now have several zeros in front of your one and behind a decimal point. Congratulations. Economist Marcos Buscaglia recently described the peso as ice cream. If you keep a peso for too long, it melts in terms of how much you can buy with it. On paper, Argentina's political system is akin to the United States. Three branches and popularly popularly elected presidents with four-year terms. In practice... Checks and balances have been on the decline for decades. Known as hyper-presidentialism, Argentine presidents wield far too much power, and Argentina has been poorly governed by both liberals as well as conservatives. The seeds of Argentina's current economic crisis were sown over the last decade. It begins with the former president, Cristina Kirchner, who is now the vice president, pursuing a populist socialist agenda for her working class base. She spent massively on subsidies and social programs, all financed by foreign borrowing. Public debt soared and then inflation and interest rates skyrocketed. Thereafter, center-right President Murciano Macri took office with promises to revive the economy. However, the peso continued to fall against the U.S. dollar. With capital controls imposed on the populace, Argentines hoarded black market U.S. dollars under mattresses. 
At this point, the government should really stop spending and reined in the deficit. But as we know, austerity dims one's re-election prospects. So, in 2018, Marquis secured a $57 billion credit line from, guess who? The International Monetary Fund. And that's the largest in IMF history. Think about that one. The billions came with a caveat. McCree must implement anti-inflation policies. McCree looked for shortcuts. He sold tons of high-interest short-term bills called leak notes to sponge liquidity, but it wasn't enough. Poverty rose and citizens grew restive. McCree's popularity rating plummeted just as the 2019 presidential elections arose. His populist rivals, Alberto Fernandez and former president Christina Kirchner, were swept into office. Remember, Christina Kirshner is one of the people that started all this crap. We know what happened next, the pandemic. And then Russia's war in Ukraine, shrinking food supplies and tighter energy markets, battered economies all over the world. Few countries were less prepared than Argentina. Soon after the shutdown, the nation defaulted on sovereign debt and inflation hit 70%. This is not the first currency collapse rodeo for the Argentines, however. Citizens began to accumulate durable goods like homes, gold, technological devices, and non-perishable food. They all have one goal. Get out of the peso. Now. On payday, Argentines rushed to illegal cuevas, black market exchanges, to trade pesos for other currencies. These exchanges primarily distribute cash, and this is a dangerous undertaking. Criminals know the game and muggings are commonplace. Even so, the black market offers a safer bet than the national currency and banking systems. Really? Really? Yes, really. In 2001, the Argentinian government enacted El Coralito, denying people access to their bank accounts for almost a year. When the banks reopened, citizens discovered that all the U.S. dollars were exchanged for pesos and the peso lost 60% of its value. Could this happen again? You bet your ass it could. No wonder Argentina bred Silicon Valley's Bitcoin patient zero, Winces Cesares, who helped convert Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, Reid Hoffman, and Chamath to the cause. Ciceras grew up in the Patagonia region and watched his family lose their life savings not once, not twice, but three times due to currency collapses. Cesaris also founded Zappo, the first Bitcoin institutional custodian, which he sold to Coinbase in 2019. You really shouldn't have done that, dude. Argentines are increasingly using Bitcoin as an alternative to their shitcoin national currency. As a peer-to-peer decentralized network, Bitcoin enables Argentines to freely send and receive value to each other and across borders. Importantly, Bitcoin is both debasement resistant and seizure resistant. Bitcoin can be securely stored on a USB stick or in your head if you can remember your seed phrase. Either way, it's much easier and safer than hauling cash from a cueva to an attic. Government officials, journalists, and limousine liberals like Warren Buffett and Elizabeth Warren cluelessly deride Bitcoin as dangerous and risky. They traffic in Western luxury beliefs with little regard for the needs of the billions of people who live in countries with unstable financial systems. To be clear, Bitcoin's not perfect. But even as Bitcoin's price has fallen hard in recent months, Bitcoin remains a superior alternative to the Argentinian peso. And in fact, according to the New York Times article, nearly 60% of Argentines believe that Bitcoin, one of the most popular cryptocurrencies, would retain the value of their savings over that same period. Adoption of Bitcoin in Argentina is outpacing Europe and the United States. Well, duh. The same New York Times article states about one third of Argentinians uh, said they bought or sold cryptocurrencies at least once a month, double the percentage in the United States, according to a separate survey by Morning Consult. The nation is a top country for receiving paychecks in crypto and Cuevas now offer exchange rates between peso and Bitcoin. Of course, Bitcoin will not cure Argentina's economic woes and political failures, but it is a super valuable asset for its people because it is the only money that the Argentine politicians cannot destroy. Viva la Bitcoin revolution. I'll say it again. I've said it several times. If you're not watching Latin America, you're missing out. You're going to watch a revolution begin there. Whether Argentina, El Salvador, Guatemala, Mexico, I don't care. 
because it's all going to happen together. Fully South and fully Central America are going to be ground zero for a worldwide revolution in finance. It would, you know, you'd think it might start somewhere else like Eastern Europe, but no, you know, Latin America has been, you know, shit on for so long. I think it's their turn. I think it's, I think it's their turn. I really do. Because we in the United States are so fucking stupid that we have everything we need to lead the entire world into a financial revolution. And yet we listen to people like Elizabeth Warren and Warren Buffett. We continue to buy into their bullshit. So it's not going to be us. It's not that I don't want it to be us. In a way, I kind of don't because we're going to continue to listen to people like Elizabeth Warren and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and all the rest of the fucking Hitler youth. I don't want them leading anything. I don't want them walking my dog, much less leashing a financial revolution because they're not going, they don't want a revolution that destroys everything they have. It's going to have to be the poorest of the poor. It's going to have to be the most destitute amongst us. The ones with nothing else to lose. They will be the ones at one point, and it's going to be in my lifetime, and they're going to stand up and they're going to say, not only are we not going to do your bullshit for you anymore, we are going to ignite the fire that consumes the globe. Maybe it'll reach all the way to Kazakhstan because apparently they're ready to legalize crypto as Russians flock to the country. Helen Parts, Cointelegraph, Kazakhstan is ready to legalize a mechanism for converting crypto to cash if there is demand, said President Kasim Yomar Tokayev per local news agency Inform Bureau on September the 28th. Speaking at the International Forum Digital Bridge 2022, he emphasized that Kazakhstan aims to become an international leader in the field of digital technology. Yeah, who doesn't? Cryptocurrency ecosystem and regulated mining. He noted that the government of Kazakhstan has drafted amendments in national law to pilot a mechanism for converting crypto to the Astana International Finance Center. Oh, sorry, at the Astana International Finance Center. We're ready to go further. If this financial instrument shows its further relevance and security, it will certainly receive full legal recognition, he stated. The country's president reportedly visited a joint booth of the major local lender Eurasian Bank and the Intibix crypto exchange at the Digital Bridge 2022 event. According to local reports, the Eurasian Bank and Intibix announced that they jointly completed the bank's first regulated crypto purchase for fiat. The president has marked a major milestone in Kazakhstan's crypto adoption, allowing the Kazakh people to legally buy crypto for the national currency Tenge. Other cryptocurrency, oh sorry, other companies in the pilot crypto projects include crypto exchanges like Atax, as well as Kazakhstan's largest bank, Halyak Bank and Altyan Bank. The news comes as thousands of Russians enter Kazakhstan just a week after Russian President Vladimir Putin announced a partial mobilization of reservists to fight in Ukraine. On September the 21st, Halyak Bank suspended the use of Russia's mere payment cards amid sanctions, warn- sanctions warnings by the United States Treasury Department. Kazakhstan is not the only country that has emerged as a popular destination for Russians leaving the country and has been working to boost crypto adoption. Neighboring Georgia has also been moving to introduce new crypto regulations in order to become a global crypto hub. While countries like Georgia and Kazakhstan appear to welcome crypto alongside Russians fleeing mobilization, Europe has been growing increasingly concerned about Russians turning to crypto to access their money after restricting Russian payments to European crypto wallets to 10,000 euros in April. The European Union now also reportedly plans to ban Russian nationals and entities from holding any assets in European Union crypto wallets. Yeah, I I don't think you understand how this works, but whatever. As previously reported, Russia has been largely relying on foreign crypto asset infrastructure to conduct cryptocurrency operations. The Bank of Russia has reportedly argued that the country should not legalize any local crypto exchanges. So I don't know about the the mass fleeing of Russians into Kazakhstan, 
But that statement up at the very front where he says, we are ready to go further. If this financial instrument shows further relevance and security, it will certainly receive full legal recognition. Now that can be both good and bad, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that it's mostly good and just be, be done with it. Uh, Brazil securities regulator targets Mercado Bitcoin over token sale. Uh, Matt De Silva, uh, hopefully will line this out for us from decrypt. Brazil's securities regulator has ordered Latin America's biggest cryptocurrency exchange, Mercado Bitcoin to provide information on digital tokens that it has used. Mercado Bitcoin, the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the region by volume, needs to give information to Brazil Securities and Exchange Commission on fixed income tokens it has sold over the past two years. The exchange also needs to reveal the amount raised with the tokens and the list of investors who bought them. Oh, joy. Estado's report didn't name the tokens, but confirmed that they were issued on a blockchain and supposedly backed by real-world assets. It added that they were low-risk and high-yield in consortium, energy, writs of payments, and receivables. Mercado Bitcoin told Decrypt in an email that its token sale did everything within Brazil's regulatory framework. It added that it actively works with the CVM and Brazil's central bank to contribute to the construction of regulations for the sector. Quote, we do not make public offerings of securities outside the scope of the authorizations we hold as an authorized crowdfunding platform and investment manager. Whew, the statement said. 2TM Group, Mercado Bitcoin's parent company, has slashed staff following crypto market sell-off. Earlier this month, uh, 2TM cut 15% of its staff just two months after announcing an earlier round of job cuts. 2TM has also slammed Bitcoin regulators for not being clear with regulating crypto. The company said in a statement this month that the environment in Brazil was unfair and lacking the approval of the legal framework for crypto activities. Brazil has a booming Bitcoin market. It was the first country in the region to launch a Bitcoin ETF and now has the largest number of crypto exchange-traded funds on the continent. And a report this month by the country's tax authority showed that Brazil topped 1 million registered crypto users in July for the first time. So there you go. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. Before we go... How about some boost? I got one from Pitar, Striper Boost 7,777 sats. Tom Woods does an excellent job at dismantling the myth that the invention of central banking reduced the frequency and severity of banking instability. In fact, banking failures became demonstrably worse after centralization. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that on several occasions from several different sources and not just from Tom Woods, right? I mean, even Peter Schiff knows that shit, dude. And he hates Bitcoin. And we still agree on this. Just saying. Letter 6173 with a striper boost, 7,777 sats. Europe is collapsing and there are still people who don't hold Bitcoin. Uh, Professor 007 or 007, 10 sats, no no, no words, bro. No words. Come on. I mean, 10 sats. I'd at least say hello to you if you wrote it down there. And then this one from Jimmy Ahi, or is it Jimmel? J-I-M-L-A-H-E-Y with 500 sats says, history is a useless degree. There's no future in it. Congratulations, bro. You are today's terrible joke corner. If you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0, as you know, is the way to go. Wow. Can't believe that actually came out. Um, if you want to stream me Satoshis to help support what it is that I do over here, you can do that with the Fountain app. Uh, go to fountain.fm on a website or just go to whatever your store is on your phone and look for Fountain app. It's a podcast player with a lightning wallet inside. You load it up. You can stream Two, 10, 20, 200 Satoshis per minute while you listen to these dulcet tones live and without a net. Or you can boost and give me a boostgram and then you can actually type stuff out and say words and things that you want me to say to you like this thing about Tom Woods. 
I think that that's interesting. I would like to have more of that. So please do that. And no, you don't have to throw me 50,000 sats for me to do it. I actually like this segment. I was meaning it to bring it, bring it to you right before the second part of the news. But, well, one of the Meat Mafia guys just kind of popped up in my feed. And I was like, oh, shit, we got to do it. And we'll probably do it again tomorrow. And with that, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.